And we welcome you inside our homes. Soon, Gribble, we will be live from training camp. The return of the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble. We are getting you set for training camp, which will come your way on Friday. We'll start uh, the podcast series off today, and we'll be here at the end of every training camp practice, recapping what happened, the movers, the shakers, what we need to see more of as this team works towards September 13th and the opener in Baltimore. Gribs, I hope you enjoyed a few weeks off. A little bit of craziness in your world, a little bit of craziness in all of our worlds, but here we go. Time to put the pads on, time to find out what this football team is going to look like as we get ready for 2020. Yeah, it's just exciting. I mean, we've been, uh, I, I know you and I have been in the office parking lot a few times uh, over the past few weeks, but uh, I'll be excited just to, to get back uh, to where we can watch the, the football team and, and what I think over the last few years, you and I probably have taken for granted the opportunity to watch football practice. And we've even acknowledged some boredom during uh, the dog days of training camp. And and now I no no such chatter this year. I mean, that relishing every opportunity we get to be outside watching football and then getting ready for the season. Yeah, it is. Uh, it has been an amazing off season, a lot of adversity. We've been able to overcome it and there are a lot of protocols in place. Uh, we will be nowhere near the players, the coaches, the trainers and the, the frontline day-to-day football team portion of uh, this organization but we will bring you uh, all the developments because we will get a chance to be inside the ropes and get a chance to watch these guys uh, as they get ready. And credit to Joe Sheehan and the, all the fine people at university hospitals and the people inside our building, uh, Matthew Schrodick, Chris Cola, just amazing job getting this facility ready for the season and for training camp for us to be able to even have training camp starting on Friday. Yeah, I mean, they've gone above and beyond and, and you know, not to take this in a negative direction, but it's almost like seeing what we've seen and heard to just get the Browns and the rest of the NFL at the best possible chance of finishing the season. It's why it doesn't surprise you a little bit that college is having a tough time getting off the ground and, and why the Big Ten and, and Pac-12 have made their decisions in that way. I mean, it's just this is above and beyond what any other even other leagues are able to do to, to get to get things in, in as safe as possible when you have this many guys and, and, and all spread out throughout the country. I mean, you've got to, you've got to take every measure possible. And from what we've seen uh, that's, that's exactly what the Browns have done. And that's what you're seeing around the rest of the NFL uh, and, and why it's every day, it's going to be fingers crossed. Let's, let's keep these guys healthy and, and really the whole building healthy and ready to go. So you get this season completed. All right, so let's get right down to it uh, as we get ready for training camp on Friday afternoon. About 2.30, the guys will hit the football field. Gribs, what are your expectations of this uh, of these next three weeks? Because really, that's what it is. It's three, three and a half weeks, and it will go right up through Labor Day weekend. And Labor Day weekend's a week later than it normally has been in the past. So we'll end up uh, with cutdowns on Saturday and a few more on Sunday and maybe some additions on Sunday. And then 
Monday we'll get ready uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. What are your expectations as this camp yeah, starts? I guess you just have to look at the schedule a little bit differently. Uh, the way I look at it is that it's like you're doing training camp because I think this is once we start Friday, this is going to look like what we think of training camp. But really, you're just going to knock out. You're going to go through that grueling part, those 15 or so practices, and instead of then starting a four-week schedule of preseason you're just jumping right into the opener. I mean, I think that's the difference. So, you know, I'll, I'll look at, you know, I think what Bill Belichick said uh, over at the Patriots, this is what college teams do every year. And, you know, college teams have a lot more on the line in week one than NFL teams do. NFL teams can lose week one college team. You lose week one. You're, you got, you're, you're playing from behind the rest of the way if you want to compete for uh, a national title. So I think that, it, this can be done. It's just going to be different. And and really the only way I can compare it is saying this is going to look like what a college preseason looks like. And you're, you're just going to have to maximize your opportunities to get out there and make sure everyone's on a, on the same page. And I really think that we're going to see, especially with the Browns, probably an evolving playbook as the season goes on an evolving defensive looks, evolving offensive looks, because there's only so much you can install uh, over this, this amount of time. The, the one positive is you're not having to, not that there's a lot of game planning that goes on in preseason football games, but you don't have to mess with those preseason games. You can immediately put all of your attention on, on September 13th and that game in Baltimore. Yeah. You're going to have much more like real practices uh, closer to the season than you would normally in a, in a training camp. It it's the hardcore kind of practices kind of come to the end to an end usually around the midpoint of August I would say during a normal training camp now I would imagine they're going to go right up until the near the end of the month before then you have to cut down your rosters on September 5th cut downs are a little different this year too because first off you've got 10 less players to deal with uh, and secondly you've got uh, four more is it four more or six more practice squad spots uh, to account for and so it, it's you you've got less decisions to make but less game footage or, or even game reps, really none of them to, to decide on. So it, it, that, that's what's going to make roster trimming a little bit maybe more difficult, uh, but also you're, you're end up cutting far less guys this year. Yeah, you're going to be able to keep some guys, uh, a few more players than you would have in the past. Uh, the one universal thing that you're hearing from coaches, from our GM, Andrew Barry, from the veterans, uh, the rookies are at a clear disadvantage as this training camp gets going. Uh, they've got to make up a lot of ground. They've got to make up a lot of ground fast. And for guys like Jedrick Wills and, and maybe even Grant Delpit and a couple other players, there, there are some expectations. And guys, unfortunately, are going to have to get up to speed as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the guys that are really put behind the eight ball, eight ball are the undrafted free agents. I mean, if – if you, it's always a great story when one of these undrafted free agents makes the roster. I mean, it's going to be a, an incredible story, I think, this year for, for some of these guys. I mean, it's just a challenge. I mean, you've already seen that group kind of whittled down already as the, as the rosters went from 90 to 80. Uh, and it's just going to be so tough. I mean, it's tough for these guys every year to, to really find one or two spots on the roster. This year, with all the moves the Browns made in the offseason, uh, adding depth at, at a lot of positions, it's going to be a challenge. I, I, I still wouldn't rule it out, but I, I think that for those undrafted rookies, I mean, this is this is as big of a challenge as it gets. And it, it's unfortunate. I mean, 
things will get back to normal eventually. And I think if you're good enough, you're going to hang around and, and get some opportunities, especially now that they're loosening the tryout rules. Uh, I think that these guys will have some chances. It's just, just not normal circumstances right now. What is the biggest challenge this team faces over the next three and a half plus weeks? I think it's installing this offense and, and really get it clicking and get it, get it on the same page. Because I think that with this type of offense, I think it's the chemistry and this, the repetition of doing it over and over again, that's going to make it uh, so important. And I think right now you appear to be, the team appears to be pretty healthy. Jarvis Landry's not on pup anymore, but I just do wonder what kind of, uh, activity we're going to see up from him early on in, in practice. I imagine he, they're going to work him in as gradually as possible, but you want all your players out there as much as possible and, and really kind of getting on the same page offensively, because this is a brand new offense, uh, a lot of the same players, but new system and your just opportunities of doing it on the field have been so limited that you just have to make the most of, of every snap you get out there. Position battle wise, on the defensive side of the football, linebacker or safety? What's the position battle that intrigues you the most? No, I think it's linebacker because I, I, I really, I don't, I have a good hunch on maybe a couple guys, but I just, I think it's wide open. I, I just don't think there's, and I don't even know where I'm locking guys into certain spots. That's something I just need to see with my own eyes. I, I think we all feel good about Mac Wilson. You feel good about BJ Goodson and the experience he has and, and what he can bring, but Outside of that, I'm just wondering, where does Jacob Phillips fit in? Where does Sione Takitaki fit in? A guy like Willie Harvey, who had a good camp last year and then got hurt during uh, the, the Ravens game week four and was out for the season. I mean, there's there's some talented players there. Uh, it's just that they're, they haven't had a ton of production. And I think that there are opportunities to produce. And you have a new linebackers coach, new new defensive coordinator. So I think it's wide open. I mean, it took a new defensive coordinator to really identify what Joe Schobert did well a few years ago. And I think that that's where you can't really even lock any of these guys into those spots until we see it on the field with Joe Woods running the show on defense. Yeah, I think uh, Joe Woods has gotten a lot of positive feedback early on from some of the veterans. I know Denzel Ward was very excited. Larry Ogunjobi, who we talked to for the Browns preview show, uh, also pretty fired up uh, to get out there and play and, and finally take this new scheme to the football field. Uh, give me three players that you are looking most forward to watching uh, in this new coaching scheme and, and new system, both offensively and defensively. I'm going to go with a pretty obvious one. And I think it's, I'm going to go with two obvious ones. I'm, I'm looking forward to first off Baker Mayfield and seeing what can change from, from last year and, and seeing what, is different about what Stefanski is asking him to do as compared to what he was asked to do last year. I, I just think he is the, he is everything for this team right now and where you go. And the faster that Baker Mayfield picks up on this offense and picks up where he left off from 2018, that's where, that's how that will dictate where you go this year. Secondly, I'm, I'm picking another superstar name here. I'm, I'm picking Odell Beckham. I mean, I, I've, I've seen, we've seen the snippets on our social media accounts. I mean, this guy looks healthy. Uh, we don't think he was really healthy fully at all last season uh, when he was dealing with that injury in the preseason. He was limited in training camp. And I think we saw the the trickle-down effect that had on the rest of the season. I just want to see an Odell Beckham Jr. that is there locked in from day one healthy and, and really picking up this offense and seeing if he can really become – if he can even go beyond the kind of production that Stefan Diggs had in Minnesota last year. Being kind of these this, this two-headed monster with him and Jarvis Landry. I'm excited – to see 
that. And I think defensively, I, I guess I'll, I'll go with a rookie with Grant Delpit. I just want to see where he's going to play. And I think that there's, he's, I think he's clearly going to have a, a role in this team, a pretty significant one, but where do they use him from a versatility standpoint? Does he ultimately end up being this team's best option in the slot? I mean, do you see that as a potential for him? I mean, does he line up closer to the ball? Is he more of a center fielder? I, I truly don't know. I mean, we'd have a much better sense if we'd watched OTAs, but those didn't happen. So it's all going to be kind of real new and surprising for us, new coaching staff, new players, and us watching our first practice on Friday. All right. Bigger concern, depth at wide receiver or depth at offensive line? Uh, I mean, I guess I'll go with wide receiver because I still think you only need a couple guys. And I, I, I obviously it was not great to lose three guards in a span of a few days to <laughs> opt outs. But I think that you still have some players in place as your potential reserves on this team that can play a lot of spots. And I, I think you're fine. I think Chris Hubbard and Nick Harris are some truly valuable projected backup linemen for you. And I think you'll probably end up keeping a, maybe one or two more than that, but that's pretty good. I, I, I like that Hubbard can play tackle. He can probably play guard for you. Harris can play center. He can play guard. I, I think that if Kendall Lamb is healthy also, and you can keep him an upside guy and Alex Taylor might be an, uh, an option to keep as a, as a tackle. I'm, I'm okay with the offensive line wide receiver it's just I mean you just there's some good players in that wide receiver room they're just there's no replicas of Jarvis Landry no no Beckham in that room and there's just that's just not what you have and I think it's a lot of guys that that we like from a talent standpoint but it's just you need to see every everyday production I think Damian Ratley's shown it in flashes Taewon Taylor had some played some good football for the Titans uh, and I think Donovan Peoples-Jones, we all like the upside that he brings, but he's a rookie. And I think that that's going to make it tough. So I think finding someone who could step in and replicate what Jarvis Lane or Nodo Beckham Jr. do, that's going to be really tough. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a very big challenge uh, on the offensive side. Because, you know, we, we talk about all of those playmakers right at the top of the list, but God forbid one of those guys goes down depth wise I, I think I think you're okay in the tight end room I think running backs are serviceable yeah. uh wide receiver is really the big unknown and it's more of a testament of how good your two wide receivers are I mean you're yes it's, it, those guys are really good and I think that that's that's where it gets hard to replace and I I, I just think it's interesting because when you look at what Minnesota did last year Thielen got hurt and they really didn't have anyone fill in the production. They just found it elsewhere. They ran the ball more. They got some of the, they got their other running backs involved a little bit more. And Stefan Diggs just caught a lot more passes. I, I think that's, they really didn't have an option behind those two guys. And, and I, I think that might be where Stefanski in the event, one of those guys can't play. He can show his flexibility and maybe use three tight ends more. You use, use cream hunt more in the outside. So I, I think you're okay. But I, I just I think even with losing those guards, I, I, I think I think I'm I think the Browns are gonna be all right at that spot. I would have liked someone like Wyatt Teller to have a little bit more competition <laughs> at that spot to kind of bring the the best out of them. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to see who they're gonna pit, pair up against him now, uh, when really the top guys that you thought were gonna compete against him are, are no longer playing this year. All right, so that leads me to my next question, and that and that's Bill Callahan. Best off-season addition from a coaching standpoint uh, on a staff that's not a coordinator or the head coach, for that matter. Is he yeah, the best I, addition? 
I think so because you're you're dealing with a couple big things to figure out, and I think none is bigger than Jedrick Wills going to left tackle. I think that his his ability to pick up that position is going to dictate a lot of what this team can do this year. And I I, I think the team's confident in what he can do. It's just you would have liked to have more of a normal offseason uh, in him doing this. But you drafted him knowing that this was going to be a transition he was going to make. You drafted him knowing he's probably going to start his rookie year. Uh, so I, I think there's a belief there. And I think that they really like that that Bill Callahan is working with them. He's done this transition uh, before with with a lot of players. Jedrick Wills, as Joe Thomas has mentioned, he's going to be a lot better player week seven than he's going to be week one and a lot better player week 14 than week seven. So it's just you're going to have to deal with the growing pains. Uh, and I think that the, the the goal for Bill Callahan is going to be getting Jedrick Wills in the best possible position to, to keep you as a steady offensive line week one when you're going up against Baltimore. No, uh, no easy task, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the defensive side of the football, defensive line, uh, I know we talked about it at the end of the off, the virtual offseason, but uh, the number of additions. Now, Andrew Billings opting out hurts. It does hurt a little bit on the inside, but this is a very deep defensive line room now, a lot deeper, and you feel a lot better about it going into camp this year than maybe, maybe we were a little overconfident a year ago with how good that defensive line room was in our eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's solid, and I think that the I do agree the Billings loss that, that that's the biggest one of your opt outs that that kind of it hurts what you maybe plan to do in that area of the field. But I think that a player that has just kind of hung around these last couple of years that the team really seems to like is Daniel Equale, who now has a much better shot of having a role on this year's defensive line. I think you're okay there, and I think the key player is, is the guy you mentioned earlier, Larry Ogunjobi. I mean, can he? really take his game to to another level he he really seems to play at his best when miles is out there on the field uh, i think that when they're all healthy and together we only saw it a few games last year when all those guys seemingly had it going at the same time uh, and they look pretty good doing it there were uh, i think the jets game was was a standout performance i thought week four against baltimore as, as good as the offense was the defensive line was great in that game you had backups even making big plays so i, I think that the it, the depth is going to be key for that group, but ultimately it's on those four starters. Cause those are the guys, I mean, uh, three of those four guys making big money, big salaries. I mean, these are pro bowl players. I mean, the, that's gotta be the strength of your defense. And if they hit the level that they can hit, it makes it so much easier on the back seven, which is areas where there's much more significant question marks. All right. So that back seven, that, that, that secondary room, it's been banged up. We talked a little bit about the safeties. We have talked linebackers at corner. I think you feel pretty good about where you are going into camp. I, I don't think you can ever have enough corners, as we learned a couple of years ago when we had – I think we were on our seventh corner three weeks in when we were out in Oakland. But um, it, it's one of those situations where I think you like that part of the defense going into this camp. Yeah, I think the biggest question for me is who are who are your options at nickel outside of Kevin Johnson? I think that's that he he clearly is the guy that stands out as the top option there. But you know, you've got Greedy and Denzel on the outside. You brought in Kevin Johnson. Terrence Mitchell has been traditionally an outside corner. Haven't seen him much in the slot either. And then you imagine Tavier Thomas with how good he is on special teams that he's going to find a spot uh, on this roster as well. So I'm wondering. If you're going to add one more corner, who's the one that sticks? Is it, is it a guy like MJ Stewart that you claimed off waivers a couple of days ago, former second round pick, clearly a lot of talent there. 
uh, or is it an undrafted player like AJ Green? Is he someone that can play in the slot? Can he can he give you some versatility? I think versatility is going to be the key for whoever emerges as that last option uh, in the cornerback room. But you you feel pretty good with those guys up top. But it's the secondary is 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 always fickle with injuries. I mean these these are the guys that are most prone to be hurt, like injuring hamstrings and 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 dealing with 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 injuries that are going to dog them for a couple weeks because if they're not at 100 percent that they're going to get burned on every play so that their health is is vital so you've got to have options and and i think you know a couple years ago i thought john dorsey did a really good job just adding as much depth as possible to that position and you and wound up needing every bit of it Uh, i mean because it's just so hard for all those guys to stay healthy for for 16 games at, at a time when was the last time we didn't have a competition at kicker or punter can you remember? I, I, I was talking about that with with someone a, a couple weeks ago. I was just like, usually, I mean, there, even even in some years where you you assume the starter is is locked in, you still bring in a camp guy that compete with him. I think Cole quit a couple years ago was competing with that guy from Miami. What was it uh, Vogel? Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, and you brought in some some kickers in the past. I mean, now, I mean, that's it's all on Cybert and Gillen to kind of create their own competition because. When your roster is constrained to 80, I mean, this is kind of going back to the ages where you had that cut down to 75. You usually end up figuring out your kicker and punter competition when you cut down to 75. So it's just so hard to keep extra extra guys at both kicker and punter when your roster is at 80. So it's it's going to be on them to, to make themselves better. And I think that, honestly, when you look back at last year, it was when the competition was over that we saw the best version of Austin Seibert. You know, it was almost like there was times in camp where he was pressing uh, in that competition. But once you got into the season, he was solid. Uh, and I think Jamie Gillen is just so unfazed by anything that everything <laughs> like he's he, he's his own he's his own guy. So I think he's going to be all right in, in motivating himself and 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 getting the best out of him. And I I just think the Browns really believe in these guys. I mean, they took a big chance going rookie rookie last year, and it paid off. I think they got what they wanted out of them. And I think that they believe both can be much better, uh, which could be great for this team moving forward. Cause I, I, I personally am enjoying that. There's not going to be a competition. I, I think that cause the field goal competition, I think it always is tough. It, it can be stress inducing. It's either, it always goes one way, either they all make them and you're like, well, who's going to, who's going to yep. make the seam or they all don't make them. And you're like, uh, what do we do here? Yeah. So I, I think that, that I'm fine with it. And I, I just, I just hope for, for cyber. It, I, I wonder how does it change going into a stadium with less people? We know there's not going to be a full stadium. We will. I want to see what, what, what is kicking in like a, you know, partially full empty. Uh, how does that, how does that affect the kicker? Cause he, he's, it's almost like when you go to a, a new NBA gym, you got to get used to your background, your settings. I'll, I'll be interested to see how he adjusts to that. Yeah, I, I think it, it will be interesting with the stadium, depending on how that looks and what that looks like. What's the big – all right, so Kevin Stefanski has got his guys in. He's got everything set up. Time to go to camp. We're going to see how this all plays out with COVID and um, all the virtual stuffs in the back, except, you know, they are in meetings virtually every day. Uh, what's his biggest challenge here over these next three weeks? Man, I mean, I just think there's a lot on his plate. I mean, I think it's just, it's keeping the guys, I think the players have a sense of buy-in at this point. They know it's on them to stay 
stay healthy, stay responsible, everything like that. I, I just, I think it's just a matter of keeping that sense of buy-in from all your guys, because as we've learned through other sports, I mean, this is what is going to get you through the season the best possible way is the healthier you stay. I, I just think it's, it's just a matter of hammering it home every single day that this is to do that, to make the decision to, to behave responsibly, to be as safe as possible. It's the most, it's the best thing these guys can do for the team. I think you don't want to lose your practice time. You don't want to have any situations where you're missing key guys. You don't want to worry about quarantining a, a large group of people. I, I think that is that is the big task for every coach around the league right now. And I, I think it, it's it's something I think the Browns have handled very well so far. And it's just one of those things where it's every it, it is truly an everyday challenge. You only play the Ravens twice a year. You're playing COVID every day for the rest for this season and I think that that's you, you just have to do what is absolutely best and, and it takes over 100 people that have access to this building to truly buy into that to, to give you the best possible chance to have the healthiest roster from start to finish this season it uh, it will all be very interesting to see how this all plays out Gribs, final thoughts things you're looking forward to um, it, I mean, it's going to be strange. We're on a sideline, but we got to maintain social distance and, uh, we're not really on a sideline. We're going to be a little further back, but, um, some getting used to you get to leave the panic room. I get to leave yeah. my house. That'll be kind of fun, but, uh, there, there's a lot of restrictions and a lot of things. Well, I, know. I, I remember thinking a couple months ago, I was like, man, it's going to be tough if they ask us to wear masks during training camp. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll throw on a mask. Uh, I can last for hours out there. I'll be totally fine. I mean, I'm just ready to, I mean, I'm just thrilled to have the opportunity to watch. I mean, this is, it's, it's obviously going to be a much smaller crowd. It's a shame that it's just, it's the reality. You can't bring fans into this situation, but obviously lots of opportunities for fans to engage with Browns live and, and just being a part of it. So it, I, I feel privileged to have the opportunity to be able to watch this. And I, I'm excited about that. And, just getting an opportunity to see this team kind of come together and truly a, a, a year that will live in infamy. I mean, this is, this is unprecedented in every way we act. And I just hope, hope that this is the only time we have to do this. That's for, the for training camp. Let's just, hope a year from now we're back to normal. We've yeah. got 3000 fans in the building and. Yeah. Let's actually, figure out a way to get more in there and make yeah, up for it. Yeah. Uh, or actually if it's a year from now we're probably getting ready for a preseason game first preseason yeah. game of the year because that would have been coming up on saturday if i'm correct yeah it would have yeah it's crazy it has been weird it has been difficult but it is finally here the training camp will start on friday the best podcast available will be with you at the end of every practice to recap everything we'll have guests we'll have players we have coaches lined up uh, a whole gauntlet of people to come your way over the next three and a half weeks, all taking you up to September 13th and kickoff one o'clock in Baltimore. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Also make sure to check us out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Browns. Thanks to Adam Tolley for his help. Uh, filling in for the uh, great Jeff McDaniel. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. We are back with you on Friday to recap practice number one. This has been the best podcast available.